Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Aaron, and uh, Happy New Year. Hi. How many are glad to be in the house of God this morning? Amen. It is so, so good to see you, and uh, it is truly an honor to be here. And thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to have this opportunity to uh, give a word here on the last Sunday of 2015. And uh, I don't know about you, but Pastor said something earlier. I kind of understood what he was saying. Like some of us may feel like 2015 cannot get out of here quick enough type thing. Uh, but that's the great thing about New Year's. High expectation right now, amen, uh, of though you may have struggled in some areas and faced some difficult things, that we have a brand new opportunity. And I truly believe that that is also symbolic for Wrightsville Assembly of God, that God is doing some amazing thing. And, and it was, um, I, I'm just not used to, uh, in the South, it's not as common to, uh, for us to have Christmas Eve services. I just didn't see it happening much. And so uh, Thursday night was such a special moment for all of us. And pastor asked me to help with one of the tables of the communion and uh, what my little tidbit that I told the people that came to the table, I said, this is just how God puts things together is uh, Pastor Aaron had mentioned to us in directions before the service that if we wanted to read the scripture of receiving the communion, that First Corinthians chapter 11 is a good place to do that. And that was actually my Bible reading for that day, First Corinthians chapter 11. And I love how God establishes order and in confirmation of what he is doing. And I just I just praise God and thank God for you're able to sit here this morning um, as tragedy uh, struck where uh, Heather and I have been living, where Pastor Aaron and Day lived for many years last night in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Many people are waking up this morning. Churches have been destroyed. Houses have been destroyed and lives have been destroyed. So we have a lot to be thankful for this morning, as well as another part of Texas is being hit with a major blizzard and many, many churches across Texas and Oklahoma are not able to do this this morning, even come together because of the weather. So we should be really thankful for what God has given us and expressed to us. And I just thank God that you're able to be here today. And whatever today looks like, I am just praying and believing that at the end of this day, God will have touched you in the most intimate and special way that you will know that you have met with God. Because if your expectation today is that you want to meet with God, then God will never disappoint you. If you've come with some expectation that I'm going to somehow entertain you or uh, keep your attention or do something that can change your life, I will disappoint you. But if your expectation, you've walked into this room and you said, God, I need you. My family needs you. My future needs you. My ministry, my, my job, my calling, whatever it is. If you come with that expectation, we serve such a big God that every one of us, he can individually meet with us and have a special encounter. And if today is going to be any indication of what Heather and I experienced last night in our upper room, uh, where we got together 
And the power of God just came down. And I, I literally couldn't stop crying. And I can't tell you the last time that in my prayer time that the tears are just streaming down my face. And the power of God was so real and so present. And I could only pray almost entirely in the spirit and not in my English language, there is a high expectation that I have. And so if that's any indication of what God wants to do, it's going to be a special day because he is here to meet with you. And can you, I know what we do. I was raised in church. I I was brought to church from the very, I know what we do in these situations Many of us think there is a another gifting, and that gifting is to sit through the service and figure out who the message is for. It truly is. Many people think that is a special gifting of the church, and I have been blessed with that gifting. And you sit there and you go, oh, I hope they're listening to Pastor Aaron as he preaches that because they need to get that. I hope they're listening. I hope they're paying attention. I hope they're taking notes. Can I just throw out a challenge this morning? Can I just radically mess up your normal Sunday morning mentality and operation of your gifting? Can I just challenge you that you literally allow God to speak to you? That you approach the next few moments like nobody else is here. Nobody but you. Because that's how God is. He would do all of this. He would have went to the cross just for you. He would have went to the grave just for you. And today... The only way this works, the only way it works every Sunday when pastor has gotten up here and he's heard from God and he's, he's speaking a word into your life, the only way this works for you to go through your entire week is that you get something from God. There is no one that ever sits down at a restaurant and you are determined, I'm going to walk out hungry. There's no one that goes into a restaurant and you sit down and you order and you pay the bill expecting to go out having not eaten one bite. So why would we approach sitting down to the most intimate moment with God when He's saying and He's telling you if you've been in church for 80 years or 8 months or 8 days... Every one of us, God wants to speak into our lives in such a supernatural way. And what a special time as we finish out one year and we begin a new year. Now allow God to do something special because only God knows what you're going to face this week and this year. And so he's the only one that can prepare you for this week and this year. So allow God to speak into your heart. This um, 2016 is going to be quite a memorable year for Heather and I. And it's not, has nothing to do with 
us, but it has to do with God's faithfulness that 2016 is going to be a milestone year for us. Uh, in March, it'll be 20 years uh, that God started me on a journey of walking as an evangelist never once before that moment ever thinking about feeling it but it was a moment that I had such a God encounter on a Friday night sitting in the living room of the church home that the church provided for me as a youth pastor and I was watching a video by Dave Reaver on the scars and God spoke to me at that moment about the inner scars that I had. And he says, because of those scars, I want you to start as an evangelist and I want to, for you to start sharing your story and your testimony. And I want you to start this journey. And it was such a God moment that I was in a position at a church as a youth pastor, and this was in the, the middle 1990s, and I, it was very unheard of even uh, then that I would have a full salary, I would have my retirement paid, I would have my health insurance paid, they provided a house, they provided all of the utilities, I was literally sitting there uh, in, in an, an incredible uh, position and a role as a youth pastor, but it was such a God encounter on a Friday night that God would literally change change the rest of my life because within three weeks we had resigned and started this journey now no house no income no health insurance no retirement nothing no guarantees in the physical and the flesh but every guarantee because god is the one that chose us to step out and if you understand that concept it doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter how difficult it gets. You know that if you're walking in God's will, that he will take care of you. He will take care of all the details. And it's the important thing is the only question in that situation is whether you will step out. And we stepped out, and here we are, around 3 million miles later, 55 countries, 44 of the United States holding soccer salvation camps and crusades 39 times. Our next one will be our 40th milestone of God's faithfulness. Every one we have to raise $20,000. And you start adding up and you see how much God has provided and 20 years of being an evangelist. And the reality is is that every day that I add another day and another year is, is I realize how much more that I don't know and how much more that I want to experience and how much more places that we need to go and we need to share. And uh, I can tell you that since about the middle of 2015, when Heather and I started promoting this milestone, going to happen soon, we're going to hit our 20-year mark, we're going to hit the 40th Soccer Salvation Camp and Crusade that the enemy has unleashed every strategy to try to stop that and discourage that. But we know that God is a faithful God, and he's going to be faithful. And in the middle of March of 2016, we will be standing, we'll be standing there seeing God's faithfulness of 20 years looking toward another 20 years. 
And this next soccer salvation camp and crusade that was another God moment on a street corner in the middle of the day in Niamey, Niger, Africa, watching some little street kids that had nothing. They had no shoes. They barely had any clothes. They were stick thin because they had no food. And they were living in one of the most desolate and uh, most poorest countries in all the world, Niger, Africa, and God spoke to me when they found an old deflated soccer ball that was worn down and it was dirty, and God spoke to me seemingly what could have been so easily a random moment that I just had some little twinge in my heart and it could have just passed on and nothing changed but God had a specific moment to speak into my life that to someone that has never played soccer don't play soccer don't know the rules of soccer I will never be asked to teach soccer but he says I want you to use soccer for the kingdom of God and from that moment that very first one when we went back to the States and I called a Bible school friend that I went to Bible school with and I called him up because he was a missionary to Manawa, Nicaragua. And I called up Nathan Alfaro and I said, hey, I had this random moment in Nehemiah Niger while I was speaking to Crusade and God says, use soccer. And this is kind of the vision he's laid out. Do a camp, do a crusade. Bring the kids in that are not saved. They're not going to church. Their families are not reached. Bring them in for a three-day championship. Feed them. Give them a t-shirt. Give them the Bible in their language. Give them candy and trophies and medals. Give every kid a soccer ball. But more than any of that, give them the greatest gift of all that you can ever get. And that is the gift of Jesus Christ. And since that moment, we have walked into countries that are Muslim and Buddhist. We've walked into countries that Catholicism is the main religion. We've walked into so many places that are very, very poor and desperate. And every time, because soccer has opened the door, we've had countries. That first one in Nicaragua, the government gave us the national soccer stadium that would see 30,000 people for free. We've had governors, we've had mayors, we've had presidents of countries send representatives. We've had generals of the army come. We've had every conceivable situation with God opening the door. And so many people ask me all the time, why in the world would God ask you to be used in a soccer ministry? And I said, that's a very legitimate question. Tell me, God, why? And so I asked God, and he said, this is what he said. He said, because I knew, because soccer is not your passion, that you would always keep it about me and not the soccer. Because if I was passionate about soccer and I knew a lot and I did a lot with it, then it could easily turn into a soccer ministry. But it's not a soccer ministry. It's a God ministry, giving hope to people all over the world. And by the faith of God, this next one has been the most challenging to raise the money. We still need around $15,000 to accomplish our $20,000 budget. But this ain't, this ain't the first one. It's definitely not going to be the last. It's going to be our 40th one, and it's going to be a special one. And we know that God is going to be faithful. And so for the next few moments, I just want you to open your heart because God wants to speak something. I'm going to tell you this. The open door for the supernatural and the miraculous in your life 
will never be experienced until you're willing to take steps of faith. Faith will will always unlock the door to the supernatural and the miraculous until you're willing to understand what it means to take those steps of faith. Don't ever expect to see the supernatural or miraculous. So many people have said, I wish God would give me a million dollars. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you what God told me about anybody wanting a million dollar blessing. Don't ever ask God for a million dollars until you have a million dollar vision. Because if you don't have a million dollar vision, then there's absolutely no reason for God to ever give you a million dollars because it will just be a distraction to you. You know what God's wanting? He's wanting somebody to get a million-dollar vision. He wants churches with million-dollar visions. For too long, we've had $100,000 visions, or we had a half a million. Why don't we go to a place that seems so absolutely supernatural that we allow God to be God? Because in our minds, we think His economy works like our economy. But thank God, it's a God's economy. And I'm just using that as an illustration. I'm not just talking about money, but God is wanting to stretch your vision. And the only way he can fulfill that is that you get something that is so radical and is so out there and so supernatural that God actually starts get to be God in your life rather than just being a normal flesh, physical person. God's saying in 2016, give me somebody Give me a church, give me a family, give me a ministry that actually gets a vision that they cannot accomplish on their own. That it has to be something that stretches us. That one year from now, on the last Sunday of 2016, that you will sit here and know that you have experienced the supernatural of God because you were willing to step out in faith as a family, as a ministry, as whatever area of God he has you involved in. Today, God's going to give some people some supernatural visions because he is ready to unleash the supernatural miracles that he so desperately needs to accomplish because we are in the last days. I don't want to share you why. I'm going to tell you why over the next few moments and in the scripture, I'm going to tell you why none of us have an option just to sit here. None of us have an option not to receive that challenge of allowing God to stretch us. I want everybody to stand, if you would, please. Quickly turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. Thank you for praying for my wife over this weekend. She's had a difficult week. She had her first ever ER visit. She's not a fan. And she's been sick ever since as well. So normally she would sing this morning. And trust me, I'm a far better preacher after she sings than without her singing. So just pray that she would continue to get over this injury and sickness. And we thank you so very much. First Kings chapter 17, if you don't know where First Kings is, it's right before Second Kings. Just want to help you out. 
How many is familiar with Elijah, the great prophet Elijah? If you ever have a difficulty remembering Elijah or Elisha, which one came first, which one came second, I, I, I have to have these little things to help me. It's just simply an alphabet thing. J before S. Okay? Just always remember, Elijah is before Elisha because J comes before S. Okay? That was free. Take it home. First Kings chapter 17, verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath the Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath when he came to the town gate. A widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as just as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord gives rain on the land And that, my friends, this morning is a promise to somebody specifically here in this room that you're wondering how the provision is going to last. But God's telling you right now, until he makes other provision, the flour and the oil will not run out. In other words, the very things that you are worried about running out are not going to run out because you under the blessing and the covering of Almighty God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray just for these next few moments as you challenge us as we come to the end of 2015 and we start 2016. I pray for such a powerful anointing in this room. God, you have assembled people in this room because you have destined for this word to go into their heart. And God, I pray that through your anointing and through your power and through your truth, that, Lord, literally you would ignite something in this room that cannot be distinguished because of circumstances and situations that the enemy cannot take out because of sickness or disease or the lack or, or God, the economy. But, God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I truly believe you are going to ignite in some people here in this room and you're going to stretch us and you're going to challenge us. I believe before we leave this day we will have had an encounter with you and your holy spirit and we will be changed and we will be motivated and we will be stirred in our spirit god speak to us in the mighty name of jesus for your glory for your kingdom may you be lifted up in the mighty name of jesus through the power and the gifting of your spirit in jesus mighty name amen amen you may be seated
it is very uh, a very big honor for Heather and I to have most of all of her family here this morning. Thank you guys for all of you that are here and we love you guys and thank you for being here and your support as well as to all of you here. Uh, Elijah uh, was a was a great prophet. He was a mighty prophet. He was uh, somebody that had experienced the presence of God. And, and right before I began to read in the text, he was at a point that he literally needed the ravens to bring food to him. Now, I, I was just looking uh, on the kind of the symbols of ravens back in the Bible times and realizing that they were pretty disgusting, but yet God still used them. Did you know it was the ravens that Noah sent out after the rain stopped? Uh, But did you also know that ravens were not allowed to be eaten by the children because it was against the law? They were unclean, but yet God still used them. He used them to bring food to the great prophet Elijah. I don't know necessarily what that means to you, but I'm telling you, some of us walk in here today, and the one thing that holds us back from ever being used by God is we feel like a raven sometimes. We feel because of our sin and our guilt and our past that there is no way on earth that God could ever use us. But let me tell you, God will take the most unclean, most disgusting things that we have went through, and he will turn them around so we can see who he is. And here is Elijah having birds bring him meat and bread, and then all of that goes away. And because he was so hungry, he tells Elijah one day, I've got this lady in this other town, and I need you to go there, and she's going to take care of you. Now, I don't know about you, but immediately in my mind, I think, that is so sweet, God. You're going to send me to this town where this little old lady is the best cook in town and she just makes the best food and she makes all these homemade desserts and she makes everything just right there in her kitchen with so much love. Everybody in town, she's like somebody's little grandma that just just cooks from her heart. And you're like, oh, that's so sweet. And so Elijah's so excited because he's just been getting some food from ravens. And come on, seriously, what can they bring to you? You know, they're used to eating worms, okay? So maybe, you know, it wasn't the best of things, but it was getting through. But now he's going to get fed by a literal, actual human, all right, that can cook, okay? And, and I can just imagine, like my mom, she's a grandma, and, and, and she loves to garden. My dad and my mom garden all year, and then they jar and put things down in the cellar, and, and they have all these fresh things. Like, like if you would have tried to ever feed me a canned vegetable, I will probably throw up, okay? 
because I was so blessed with the fresh, right out of the garden kind of vegetables growing up. And, and that's the kind. I mean, my mom, she like makes homemade bread, homemade cinnamon rolls with chocolate chips in them. And she is world famous around our family and around the town and the neighbors. Everybody knows my mom cooks and she cooks amazing. So I'm thinking God is going to take care of Elijah by hooking him up with the most amazing woman cooked all this food, pantries full, refrigerators full, freezers full. And so he gets to this town, and there's the woman, and he's so excited. I'm so close. I can taste the apple pie. I can just taste those mashed potatoes and that roast beef and that fried chicken and those, you know, those biscuits and cornbread and oh, all that good stuff. And I'm like, so close. So he goes up to her. He's like, whew, I'm glad to see you. I am starving. Yeah, I'm Elijah, and I've been being fed by the birds lately. I am done with that, okay? And so I'm ready to sit down to a legitimate meal. And he's like, God told me you would be here, and God sent me to you. And she looks at Elijah and says, I don't know what you are on, what you've been drinking or smoking or whatever you've been but I am definitely not that woman. No, 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 God said, God told me, I mean, I have a picture of who you are, and you are the picture. I'm going to tell you something very important, church. Many times the step of faith and the provision of God will not look like what you think it should look like. And in order for 2016 to be the year of blessing and provision that God wants, you need to get past how the provision will look sometimes. Because many times we will miss what God is trying to do because we go, wait a minute, this is supposed to taste like Cracker Barrel. This is supposed to taste like chilies. This is supposed to taste and look like my grandma." And it looks like Wendy's. I like Wendy's. So both people in this story were being challenged to have faith. Elijah knew that this was the woman. And the woman was convinced she was not the woman. But God was setting something in her life that she didn't know she needed yet. But she needed a prophet of God to be in her house because something was going to happen that she didn't know was going to happen. I'm going to tell you something. We are living in a day and time that every week our whole world can be changing. Things are taking place very quickly in our world. And you better understand what you saw working for 2015 may not work for 2016. It may not work what you've always done before sliding along kind of just going along not really having to be challenged and all of a sudden Elijah is being challenged in a way and he was like wait a minute God you said that there was a woman and I got to come here and she would take care of me and she would feed me and now this woman is saying I'm not the woman because I don't have any food God, why would you send me to a woman 
that's supposed to give me food when she doesn't have food either. See, that's where the element of faith is introduced. If it made sense to our eyes, then there would be no faith element or God element involved. The lady was like, almost like indignantly saying, as surely as the Lord God you lives that I do not have food and so I cannot take care of you. In fact, I'm here to get a little water and go back, go back home and make the last meal for my son and I. Well, I don't know about you, but at that point, if I was Elijah, I'd start kind of feeling bad. <laughs> I would start feeling like I'm going to quit asking this lady to give me anything and I'm going to start trying to, I'm going to start trying to, you know, get some food for her. This is a very, very challenging thing that men and women of God need to understand because there's a fine line of us getting sidetracked and distracted from what our calling is. Elijah is at a point that he could have easily moved on, but this woman is the woman that he knows. And so he says to her, he says, no, uh, go ahead, do like you were going to do. Go home, make the last meal, and then give me some, and then there'll be enough to feed you and your son. How many parents do we have here today? How many parents? Don't be ashamed. It's okay. I'm a dad. How many knows, moms and dads, that if somebody comes up and asks me for my meal, I will consider giving it to you. But if you come up and you ask for the meal from my daughter, whole nother deal, right? I may give up something for myself, I may put myself in the position of being hungry. But if you're going to ask me to give up the meal from my daughter, whole different thing. And so here is the situation. And God's wanting to speak to you today because there are going to be situations in 2016 that God's wanting to stretch you in. And it's going to be easily to get sidetracked because of needs. Just a few weeks ago, it was Saturday morning. Dad was sitting downstairs. We come downstairs and we were flipping on a channel and there was a preacher preaching and he was preaching. He ended up preaching about a a specific $1,000 gift. And I was thinking, I got to get dressed. I got to go to the airport. We got to fly. We got to uh, speak the next day in Houston area. All this is going on. And I'm like, you know, uh, you know, this is crazy, but I can't, couldn't get away from that thousand dollar gift. And I just, Heather and I just felt the same thing. And I said, I knew that we were supposed to do a thousand dollar gift, but I didn't know where and I didn't know how because we didn't have the thousand dollars to give, but I couldn't get that off. And so we just started praying and we traveled that day and, and, and we just prayed that there was two elements that were missing the thousand dollars to give and where the thousand dollars was supposed to go and by the end of the day my wife heather she found on facebook 
she found that there is a young lady that is going on a missions trip. And she had raised all of her money except the last $1,000. And so because of that, she put a blast out there on Facebook that, hey, thank you for giving and all this, but I'm down to my to the last final thing and I need a thousand dollars or I can't go. And I know God spoke to me about that. And so Heather finds that and we immediately knew right away there's where the thousand's supposed to go. Just a small little minor difficult thing about that is we don't have the thousand dollars to do it. Next morning, we speak at a, a, a great church down in the Houston area. They're, I don't know, they run about 800 to 1,000 people. They have two Sunday morning services, and the 830 service was the first service. And so we speak, and at the end, the pastor takes up an offering for our ministry. And then right after the service, a couple walks up to us. Now, they just received an offering to give to our ministry. But a couple walks up to us, and they said, what do we make the check out to? And I was like... You can make it out of the church. You can make it to our ministry. You get a tax donation either way. We're nonprofit. And she hands me a $1,000 check. I couldn't wait to get in the car and tell Heather, log in to whatever you need to log in, get the credit card out, and get that going as soon as we can because there's a $1,000 need and God provided the $1,000. And I got to thinking about this, that so many times we base everything on what we can see rather than what God sees. You see, God sees everything the way that it's supposed to work out and provide. Now, this is the part of the story that we don't know When Elijah comes in this house, it happened just as God said that the woman made the meal for Elijah. He ate. The prophet of God was blessed. Then there was enough food left over for the son and the mother. And the flour and the oil did not run out. But while Elijah was staying in the house, the little boy got sick. He got deathly sick. He got so sick that he started dying. And this, you can imagine the frustration that this woman is feeling. This is what she says, verse 18, to Elijah, did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Is that why you're here? Is that why God has sent a prophet of God into my house? To remind me of my sin and kill my son because my son's dying now. This is what happened. Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. 
It was at that point that Elijah began to understand why the ravens were no longer needed to feed him. It was at that point that the mother began to understand why God would have a prophet come to her house when she only had enough for one last meal. You see, what you don't know is last night at 11.59, a beautiful little four-year-old boy named Colton has been in the hospital for one entire year. And we watched daily as the mother would post the pictures and the updates and we prayed and we cried for Colton to be healed all year. And this week she released a video of Colton being hooked up and he's on so much pain medicine because literally his, his whole abdomen is exposed because he's had three liver transplants in the last year and he has fought infection and he can't get out of the hospital and their entire life this whole last year has been in a hospital and, and thousands of people, literally thousands of people around the globe have been praying for Colton to get out of the hospital and to be healed this week. Colton, this fragile little sick little boy, tells his mommy as she says, as she said thousands of times this year, Colton, it's going to be okay. Please tell mommy what mommy can do. I'm so sorry. They gave you more pain medicine. You should start feeling better. But he says, no, mommy, I don't feel better and it's not going to be okay. No, it's going to be okay, Colton. It's going to be okay. No, mommy, it's not going to be okay. And last night at 11.59, while his dad was cuddled with him in that hospital bed, Colton walked into the hands of Jesus. And for the first time in one year, he is now in heaven this morning, his first morning in heaven, and he is completely whole, and he's completely well, and he's completely provided for, and maybe you're sitting here going, why in the world would you tell us about a little boy that just died last night at 11.59 while he fought a battle for an entire year in a hospital when you just told us a story in the Bible about a little boy that was dying, and he was healed Well, let me bring the two pictures together, the two stories together, and it's another little boy that we celebrated this week coming to this earth as a little baby. And He came knowing in advance that he would face suffering and trial and persecution, and he would face a cross, and he would do it for you. And he would do it for me. And I got to thinking, I was like, God, what are you trying to say? And I was reminded of a soccer salvation camp in Sibiu, Romania. We had a great camp. I believe 88 children got saved. 
and always the championship team, they receive special medals given to them. And out of all of the soccer salvation camps that we've literally held on five continents, the only one we've ever done this, we had special championship medals handmade by a local artisan in black glass that you could only get in this part of Transylvania in this region of Romania. And I was so frustrated because they were not completed by the time that we were having the final crusade to present the medals. They weren't ready. I had to fly back to the United States and a few days later they received the medals and they hand-delivered to everyone on the championship team and they got to Radu's house, one of the young boys that was on the championship team, and the mother said, you will have to come and give it to him in his bed because he's very sick. You see, what he didn't tell us is for one year he had been battling a disease that the doctors in Romania could not cure. They walked in and they put this beautiful soccer salvation camp, black glass, one-of-a-kind championship medal around his neck and with a beautiful smile, the mother begins to tell about the day that we gave out the soccer balls and he burst through the front door of their humble Romanian home and he jumped in his mom's arms and began to hug and kiss her and says, look, mom, look what they gave me. They gave me a brand new soccer ball, something he couldn't even dream of. A few days after putting that medal around his neck, we received word that Radu died. I said, God, why in the world would you set this whole story up? You see, if the medals would have been on time, we would have never known because he never told us because he didn't want to miss out. We never knew that he was battling disease and that he was near death and he was so sick that he shouldn't have been playing. We would have never known if the medals would have been on time because nobody would have went by his house afterwards and found out he was sick and we definitely wouldn't have heard that he was di- he had died and I said, God. And so we did a little research and we checked the list of everyone that received Jesus Christ at that camp. And guess whose name was on that list? Radu's name was on that list. You know why that's so important? Is because he was raised by a Romanian Orthodox household in which he would have never been allowed to come to a regular Christian service. But he could come to a free soccer salvation camp. One year after that, I went back to Romania and I said, I have to go to Radu's house and I have to meet that mother. And I went in and I sat down at a kitchen table and I sat across from a broken-hearted mother. She was weeping and crying. She's like, he's been gone an entire year and I miss him so much. It wasn't a sad moment for this evangelist. In fact, it was a very proud moment because you know what? I was able to give hope that mother I said mom let me tell you about your little boy I do he is now more alive than he's ever been before he is completely healed and he's completely whole in fact he is in heaven and I believe one day I'm going to be strolling down the streets of gold and all of a sudden the kid's going to kick a soccer ball over by me and run over to me and it's going to be where I do and I'm going to get to see the face of that little boy 
that God says, I care about you so much that out of the whole world and out of all the children that we could have went to, God says, you need to go here because God is a specific God. You see, Elijah, the reason I need you to go to this house that seems like it cannot provide is because they're going to need the prophet of God. They're going to need the presence of God in that house. You see, in an entire year, a hospital in Houston, Texas, has been infiltrated by believers, by the love of Jesus Christ. Colton, even though he passed away last night, has had an impact for an entire year that he would have never had if he hadn't went through the most horrible year of his life. But this morning, he is secure in his belief in a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that heals. Because for the first morning... This morning, Colton is alive and he is healed and he is delivered and he is whole. And for the first time, he is not in pain. And may I tell you, that is the whole message that God is saying for 2016. We have got to realize our responsibility to go into places that it may not seem like makes any sense. But God is needing a prophet, a prophetess, they need the presence of God in homes because things are going to happen and unless the presence of God is there, tragedy will strike. Tragedy not in the way of a physical death, but in a spiritual death. If Elijah wouldn't have been in that house. And so I ask you the question, what if Christ is not in your house? What if the Spirit of God is not so strong in your house? You see, statistics tell us that one year from now, some of you will be divorced because that's what the enemy wants. But God wants the exact opposite. He wants your marriage to have the best year that you've ever had. He wants you all to draw closer than you've ever been before. He wants you to see God move in such a way that you put aside regular schedules and you turn the TV off for a while and you just get together and you hold hands. And if nothing else that you do, just read the scriptures together. You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to know the answers. But you just come together at times with families, with children, with moms, and dads and children and brothers and sisters knowing that one thing is true the presence of God is in this house and no matter what happens and no matter what comes against us we're going to pray like Elijah did he said give me that boy oh what would happen if we have a church full of Elijah's that said you hand me death you hand me destruction you hand me disease and you just give me a chance to go into an upper room and I'm going to touch God and God's going to save my marriage God's going to save my finances God's going to save my business. God's going to save my town. God's going to save us because we have the power of Jesus Christ. Everybody, please stand with me if you would, please. If we could start playing the worship music.